0: Um, I'm in John chapter 17, verses 12 and 13 tonight. 11, 12 and 13. John chapter 17, verses 11, 12 and 13. I'm just going to read it to you. I want you to hear the voice of Jesus tonight. Yeah. I don't want you to read it. Don't even put it on the screen. What? All right. <laughs> I don't even want you to open your Bibles and read it. I want you to hear the tone of the voice of Jesus as he's approaching the cross. Okay. This is his last conversation with the Father. Yeah. His last phone call to the Father. The days are about to get dark. He's sum- summing up the last three years of ministry. And from John chapter 17 on, the tide turns. He's facing the cross. I want you to hear these three verses. This is what Jesus says. He says to the Father, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they might be one as we are one. Verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now I'm going to focus here on verse 13. Now I come to you. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Father, speak to us by the power of your word and spirit. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. My wife and I have been pastoring this church for a couple months, more than 18 years now. When we started this church, there were really only a couple things we knew. We had no time to prepare a church plant. We just felt like the Lord said, go right now. So we went right then. Friends were asking me, what's the vision? I said, well, I don't know. Have church, have a great church, awesome church. The One thing we knew is that we were supposed to be missional from the very beginning. The one direction that the Lord gave us was, don't wait, do missions right away. If you wait, you're going to be waiting forever. And so we did mission trips from the very start, from the very beginning. And that was great for several years, But then our daughter was born. And it's kind of hard to be globe-trotting. Between the two of us, we used to do about 12 to 13 trips a year. But then we had a little girl, a little baby. And it's hard to be traveling around the world when you got a little baby. Matter of fact, that first year, I don't think we went anywhere. And somewhere around the end of that second year, when Aletheia was close to two years old, I don't think she was two yet, we went to Ethiopia. It's really hard to go to Ethiopia and leave your baby behind. We had a wonderful trip in Ethiopia. I left with half of the team and Sunny stayed behind with the other half of the team. She had more work to do. They were going deep in the bush. I wasn't interested in going deep in the bush. So when the hotel time was over, I said, I'm going home to our baby. And I I was longing for her. I wanted to see her so bad. I missed her so bad. I was aching so much. And I made a big mistake. She was with Mihi Imo, my wife's older sister, in San Luis Obispo. I made the mistake of calling her from the airport. And uh, Mihi answered the phone. I said, I need to speak to Alethea. She goes, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, please, I just gotta hear her voice. So she calls Alethea to the phone and says, Your daddy's calling. And I said, Hi, baby girl. And she was silent. I said, Baby girl, Daddy's coming. I'm coming. I'm coming right now. Daddy's coming. Silent. Baby girl, I'm so sorry. You haven't seen us in ten days, but daddy's coming right now. And then all of a sudden, she exploded. Daddy, 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 And she cried and cried. I'm like, baby girl, Daddy's coming. Daddy's coming. Daddy's coming. Daddy's coming. I'm so sorry, baby girl. I'm... Finally, me. he took the phone and said, uh, this, is, this is not very productive at this point. <laughs> we ended the call like that. With that sound in my ears. The only problem is, Coming home from Ethiopia is not as easy as one might think. Because you got about, what, an eight-hour flight to Dubai, followed by a 14-hour layover in Dubai, followed by a 12-hour flight or a 14-hour flight to San Francisco, some outlandish number of hours. But getting to San Francisco was only half the battle. I then had to catch an Uber or whatever we caught home, take a quick shower, change my clothes, and hop in the car and drive down to San Luis Obispo. So when I said I'm coming now, there was a lot that went into that coming A lot that was unspoken. But when I said I'm coming now, what I meant was everything I do from this moment on is simply a part of the process of coming to you. I still have a lot of stuff to do. I still got a lot of things to go through. But everything that I do from this moment on is part of the process of coming to you. So, when I get on the plane, I'm coming to you. And I endure that eight hour flight to Dubai, I'm coming to you. And when I get off that plane and wait that 14 hours in Dubai, I'm still coming to you. And when I get in line to get back on the plane, I'm coming to you. When I go through court, uh, when I go through customs, I'm coming to you. When I go to baggage claim, I'm coming to you. That is, every step of that journey, I'm not thinking about the things that I have to suffer during the journey. I'm thinking about the destination. I'm not thinking about what I'm going through. I'm thinking about who I'm going to. And what gives me the strength to endure what I'm going through is knowing whom I'm going to. And I'll never forget getting off that plane in San Francisco exhausted and sick. after something like 36 hours of travel 48 hours it was a long it was a long time yeah. with no sleep or little sleep or broken sleep yeah. everything in my logical being said go home rest tonight tomorrow morning go to san luis obispo but no i told that little girl i'm coming to you and so i don't care how much i have to suffer to get to you i'm coming to you as quickly as possible And so I got in my car and drove straight there. And of course, by the time I got there, she was like, hi, Daddy, and went back to the game she was playing. In my mind, she had cried that whole 48 hours. But Mihi Emo said she cried for about eight seconds after we got off the phone. She's been fine ever since. Jesus... Picks up the phone and dials the father. He says, I still got a lot to do. The big stuff I haven't gone through yet. A lot of things I'm going to suffer. But father, I'm coming to you. Now I come to you. For the last three years, it's been about ministering in the world, but now it's not about that anymore. Now I come to you. For the last three years, it's been about these disciples that you gave me to care for, but it's not even about that anymore. You're going to have to take care of them now. Now I come to you. I've been thinking about the miracles that you wanted me to work, but I'm not thinking about those anymore. Now I come to you. You see, your life changes when you begin to orient the trajectory of your life towards God. The way you think about your life fundamentally changes when you stop and change your orientation, your trajectory. I'm going to God. Now I'm coming. to See, I used to live my life the way I wanted to live my life, but now I'm coming to you. I used to make decisions based on how good the opportunity was and how good the pay is, but now I'm coming to you. I used to run toward money, now I'm running toward you. I used to run toward, uh, to, uh, run toward fame and success, but now I'm running towards you. Now I come to you. Yeah, yeah. And I still got a lot to do. Because yeah. I mean if you listen to the tone of Jesus' voice. You would think it was already done. Yeah. You'd think he was already resurrected from the grave. Yeah. You'd think he already died. Yeah. He says when I was in the world. I protected those you gave me. What are you talking about? You're still in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no longer in the world. But they're in the world. What are you talking about? You're no longer... You're right here. No, no, no. But my mind has already moved towards the Father. In my mind, I'm not here anymore. In my mind, I'm not with you. In my mind, it ain't about this anymore. It's about who I'm going toward, who I'm going to. He knew. He had just finished celebrating the Last Supper with His disciples. He knew that now his next stop was the Garden of Gethsemane. And the tone of that conversation was about to be much different. There's no agony in John 17, but there's agony in Gethsemane. Before he turns toward the agony of the cross, he begins with the joy of what's on the other side of the cross. Because he knows that he cannot endure the cross unless there's joy set before him. Yeah. Hebrews 12. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. Before I turn toward the cross, let me start by filling up on joy. Yeah. I got to get my joy strength. You, you and I need to learn how to practice that. Before yeah. you face something tough, before you yeah. face a cross, yeah. st- you got to start by filling up that love tank. Yeah filling up that joy tank. you got to start by stimulating your joy. The joy, there's joy set before me because I know that the cross is not the destination. The cross is simply the transportation. The cross is a stop on the journey. You see, Dubai is like the cross. I'm simply, I've got to lay over there, but it's not where I'm headed. That's why this shirt says Sunday. You thought, I don't know what day it is is because Good Friday is not about Good Friday. Good Friday is simply a layover on the way to Resurrection Sunday. I gotta stop here for a moment. I know I've got a layover here at the cross. I know I've got to endure the cross, but let me tell you something, that when I endure the cross, there's joy set before me because I know that no matter how dark Good Good Friday is, Sunday is coming. What's the Resurrection Sunday on the other side of your Good Friday? Because I hear believers say all the time, I guess this is just the cross I have to bear. I guess it's just the cross I have to bear. Okay, it might be. But what's on the other side of it? If this is the cross you got to bear, hurry up and die on it so you can get to the, good, to the Resurrection Sunday. He was only on the cross for six hours. Yeah. That's it. Six hours. Yeah. It was a stop, pit stop. Now I come to you. Yeah. I know I got to go to the Garden of Gethsemane next and it's going to get real, real there. Yeah. In the Garden of Gethsemane, my sweat's going to be like drops of blood. I know that's about to happen in a minute. Yeah. Matter of fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm going to beg you to let me skip the next part. Yeah. Is it, po- Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. But I'm also going to submit to you, but nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. I'm getting ready to experience that in a second. Yeah. But before I experience it, i got to remind myself that it's just part of the coming to you. Judas is going to show up and betray me with a kiss, and I'm going to look at him and say, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And I'm going to feel so betrayed by my friend who hands me over to death, but I just got to remind myself that that betrayal that I'm getting ready to experience is just another part of the coming to you. And then the soldiers are going to take me, and I'm going to be tried first before the Sanhedrin, then I'm going to be tried before Herod and Pontius Pilate, and they're going to flog me, and they're going to beat me. They're going to press a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to put a robe around me. They're going to spit in my face and strike me in the face and say, prophesy, who struck you? But I just got to remind myself before I get there that it's just a part of the coming to you. They're going to make me carry my own cross. They're going to lead me to a hill called Golgotha. They're going to nail me to the cross. and They're going to let me hang there until I die of asphyxiation. But before I get there, before those nails start clanking, I have to remind myself that it's all part of my coming to you. I've heard for so many years that when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That when he was on the cross, he was thinking about you and he was thinking about me and he was thinking about his willingness to pay the price for you and to pay the price for me. But you know what? I'm beginning to realize and I'm beginning to conclude that that is actually not the case. I don't think he thought about you for a second. I don't think he thought about me for a second. He didn't talk about you. He didn't talk about me, but he sure did talk about the father. Because what Jesus teaches us is that you don't endure suffering by thinking about the people you're suffering for. You endure suffering by remembering where you're going on the other side of that suffering, by remembering the Father. He had the Father in his mind. I know I've got to endure this, but on the other side of this, I'm coming to you. And if you're going to use this to redeem the world, so be it. But I'm here to do your will. I'm here to obey you. I'm willing to entrust myself to suffer for your will. Whatever you bring out of it is your business. Because here is the problem. We tend to have joy set before us in the face of suffering, but the wrong joy. I'm going to endure this suffering at my job because on the other side of it is a promotion. And guess what? You suffer there for years and you end up not getting that promotion. Now what? Disillusionment. I'm going to endure your wife or your husband, what they do to make you suffer for years because on the other side of it, the Lord's going to speak to my wife or husband or they're going to change or they're going to grow and it's going to get better between us. And what happens years later when it don't get any better? (laughs) When I was little, my, my eyesight started to go. I remember my eyesight fading. It don't make no sense. I remember the day, I remember going to school and I couldn't, I was in the fourth or third grade and I couldn't read the blackboard, third or second grade. I couldn't read the blackboard. And I couldn't believe that I couldn't read the blackboard. The teacher said, what's that say? I was like. <laughs> and I'm thinking I was stupid. Like, how come I can't read? I, did I forget how to read? It just it was all fuzzy. The teacher said, Come closer. Come closer. I came all the way up to that board. I was like, Lord Jesus, that says cat. (laughs) And And I remember my mother told me if you eat carrots, (laughs) your eyesight will get better. Carrots are good for your eyes. I ate bags of carrots. My pee was orange. My eyesight has gotten worse every year since then. To this day, I I cannot eat a carrot. Don't bring no carrots in my presence. Can't handle it. They lied to me. Because I never liked carrots. I ate them for my eyesight. My mom came over last week. I said, my eyes are dry. She's like, eat more carrots. 45 years, you still telling me that lie? (laughs) Can I say something to you? You're not going to like it. You might even find you another church after this. So be it. I got to tell you the truth. There is no guarantee that there will be a favorable outcome to your current crisis. and if you are enduring your current crisis based upon the hope that your situation will get better, you got the wrong joy set before you. But there is a guarantee in Scripture that in everything you go through, in every crisis, God is working for your good. That even if your situation doesn't get better, you will get better. However, that promise that God is working in every crisis in your life to bring good for you. The promise is to a particular group of people. Those who love God. You got to love him to claim that promise. And you know what loving him means? It means that you want to see him and be with him above all. What if the only positive outcome to your crisis would be that through it you will grow closer and closer and closer in fellowship and intimacy with God? What if God were to tell you your sickness won't change but every day you're going to know me in a deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper way. What if God were to speak to you and say, I'm not going to deliver you from this circumstance, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reveal myself to you through the pain and through the suffering of that circumstance, and you're going to know me like you never thought possible. Would that be enough? If that wouldn't be enough, you don't love him yet. Jesus faces the cross knowing he's not going to be delivered from it. He faces the cross knowing I'm going to ask you to let this cup pass from me and your answer is going to be no. You're going to drink this cup. And you're going to drink every drop of it. Knowing that there was no getting out of it knowing that he was going to have to walk through it and knowing that the end of it was going to be death. But he still has joy set before him because he's got a promise that's greater than a promise of deliverance. He's got a promise of presence. Now, I come to you. And when he says, now I come to you, what he means is, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's not enough pain and suffering in all of this world that can separate me from you. They haven't made nails that are long enough or thick enough to keep me from coming to you. Nothing can stop me from running to you and you from running to me. They haven't created sorrow or suffering that can separate us. Nothing can, so you see, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God because Jesus first knew that nothing could separate him from the love of the Father. Our problem is not only do we have the wrong joy set before us, but the right joy feels like an illusion to us. Because when we're in a a difficult situation, what we cling to is the hope that God will change it. But we have no expectation that God will walk with us through it. Think about it. Think about the last, the greatest trial that you've ever went through. Did you have an expectation as you walked through that trial that every step of it would bring you closer and closer and in deeper and deeper intimacy with God? Or did you feel abandoned by God in the midst of it? Let me tell you why. Because when you get on that plane, you're on radio silence. The moment I hung up the phone with Mihi Imo and got on that plane, I had no contact. Jesus knew after John 17, no more contact. He's going to cry to the father and the father is not going to respond. He knew that this trial that he was going to go through would be so intense because he would feel as though he and the father were separated to the extent that he'd be on the cross crying out, why have you forsaken me? You know you're on the flight heading somewhere when you don't get a response from the father. Because you don't use your, your phone in the plane. You know the father's taking you somewhere when your cell phone doesn't work when it feels like your conversations with the Father are one way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why hast thou forsaken me? Yeah. Yeah. Notice he doesn't even call him my God there. He, calls, he doesn't call him my Father there. He calls him my God. Yeah. Why hast thou forsaken me? His hope is not the experience of the presence of the Father in the midst of the trial, but the reunion with the Father at the end of it. He knows that I'm going to get on a flight and my cell phone's not going to work. But the flight has been measured. There is a length to that flight and it is a measured length. It will not go on forever. The thing that you must remember is that the cross is hard, but it is temporary. You don't get abandoned by the Father. Yeah. He doesn't leave you. Yeah. He doesn't forsake you. Yeah. But it feels like it sometimes. Yeah. You know where he is? He's waiting for you at the airport to pick you up. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, Woo. I come to you. Yeah. That's all that's on my mind now. From this moment on, coming to you. Listen, this sermon is not about your death. I just want to rebuke that just in case the devil's talking to anybody going, see, I think it's my time. The preacher got confirmation. I was thinking I was going to die and the preacher just confirmed it. Mm -mm. It's about the orientation of your life. Because it's easy to believe that you get to go to heaven when you die. It's hard to believe that God is waiting on the other side of your trial here on earth as you live. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. yeah. It's easy to believe that God will reverse the curse in your death. It's not easy to believe that he's going to reverse the curse in your life. But here's the beauty of it. He often does reverse your situation. He often does heal your sickness. He often does. He can heal your marriage. It's not that you're not supposed to have any confidence or expectation of that at all. It simply means that you've got to prioritize and and have a hierarchy of expectation that the primary expectation is not the change of my situation. The primary expectation Is that through this, I'm going to come to a deeper place of intimacy with God than I could have ever imagined. Because that's what the Father wants for you more than anything else. Just read John 17 again. What does Jesus say to the Father? He says, you've given me authority over all flesh that I might grant eternal life to those you have given me. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. That they may know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is literally speaking of the disciples and everything that they're going to go through and all of the things that they're going to suffer. And he says, but they're going to know you, Amen. Yeah. but they're going to know you. Yeah. You're going to know him. Yeah. You're going to know him. Yes. Don't allow bitterness to creep into your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's yeah. what happens when we walk through fiery trials is the enemy is whispering in our ears words designed to drag us into a place of bitterness. And when bitterness enters into your soul, it causes your heart to close. It injects you with this spiritual Novocaine that causes you to go numb because you don't want to feel the pain. But what we don't realize is that if I allow my heart to go numb so that I don't feel the pain, I also don't feel the love. And I miss the father who's waiting for me right on the other side of that trial. The purpose of this message is to reinterpret your suffering. Past, present, and future. He's never abandoned you. And he never will. Bow your heads.